This morning we're in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And we're going to be beginning a uh, series on abiding. And in case you don't know what the word abide means, most of you probably do, but just in case, um, it is simply, it simply means to live. As in you live in a house or your abode where you live. So we're going to be talking about that for the next few weeks. And today we're going to talk about what it means to choose to abide, to choose to abide in Christ and what that means. Um, so again, we're in Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Uh, probably a pretty familiar passage of, of Scripture, but I invite you to hear these words now from Luke's Gospel. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes... I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man comes to seek and save those who are lost. This, my dear friends, is the word of God for us and for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we are grateful for your word once again. We are grateful to be in a familiar passage and, and we yearn, Lord, to learn something new, to catch a fresh glimpse of you. So God, we invite you to sit with us and minister to us. Help us to learn a new lesson today. May the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, our rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we are funny creatures. Rebellious, I would even say, or even, I don't know, just don't care what the truth is sometimes. One thing I want to talk about is pride. We all have it. It's part of our fallen human nature to have pride, or, or maybe to think of it as ego would be better for you. We all have that, unfortunately. In spite of the fact that we're taught that, that pride is one of the seven deadly sins, we're still full of it, aren't we? I know I am. I've had many moments in my life where my pride has gotten the best of me, and, and, and I didn't do something that I knew that I should do, even in ministry, because my pride kept getting in the way. I was afraid of getting embarrassed. And, and, and this has happened so many times. 
You know, there's an old saying for pastors that I've heard, uh, especially some older pastors say, is we should always be ready to preach, pray, or die. And there's been times, and, and again, even when I've been in ministry, there's been some times where I should preach as in just share my faith with someone and tell them about Jesus, but I didn't for any number of reasons, mainly because I was afraid for some reason. There's been many times where I should have prayed with someone but didn't because I thought perhaps it would look weird to, pray, to be praying where we were. Maybe I just felt like I didn't have the words that they, that they needed to hear. Now, as far as the die part, I've not really been that close to death, but I know that that's always a possibility, but we're not talking about that. Point is, is my pride has often gotten in the way even of of sharing my faith and even of being an evangelist. And I can't help but, as I think about some of those times, how much I've missed out on. And not just in ministry, but even in life itself. How many times have I missed out on a great experience because I was afraid of looking silly? Or I was afraid of sounding dumb or, or looking dumb or whatever? How many opportunities have I had to bring someone to a saving faith in Jesus because my pride got in the way? How many opportunities have I missed to truly in some way show the love of Christ but allowed my ego to stop me? And undoubtedly, you have those moments too. We all, we all do. I think it's safe to say that. So what have you missed out on because you allowed your pride or your ego to get in the way? And as we're all called to ministry in some way, what kind of ministry opportunities have you missed out on because of your pride? Maybe you, like I've been a few times, you were worried about what others might think, time and place and, and all of that. Maybe you were worried about, like me, not having the right words, not sounding intelligent. Or maybe you were even afraid of not being able to convince someone to have faith in Christ. You were afraid that your attempt would fail, so you chose not to do it because you didn't want that, that bruise to your ego. You know, it's one thing that I've learned throughout life is that growth happens on the margins of our comfort zone. And how often does God call us to get out of our comfort zones? Pretty regularly, I'd say. Constantly, I would even say. You know, it's not always the case, but more often than not, the risk outweighs the reward. Or the reverse that. The potential reward outweighs the risk. It's worth the risk for a big reward. Otherwise, we can miss out on something great. We can miss out on something spectacular. And even somebody else could miss out too. For example, in the case of sharing the gospel, if you're with someone and you know that they need to hear about Jesus or you feel like they do, if, if you don't tell them about Jesus, who will? If you don't pray for that person or with that person, who will? That's something we have to wrestle with. And we have to be willing to put aside our pride. We have to be willing to let our, potentially our egos even get bruised. Because doing so can actually result in us having an up-close 
and personal encounter with Jesus. And can even allow someone else to have an up-close and personal encounter with Jesus. All because we allow God to use us for a holy purpose. Now I mentioned the reading for today is probably pretty familiar to you and, and maybe you learned this song in Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. If you know it, sing it. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. You know, we get bogged down in the, in the details of that song. Y'all sounded great, by the way. Me, not so much. But, you know, we get, we get bogged down in, the, in, the, in some of the details about the song. We get bogged down in the fact that Zacchaeus was a small man, maybe um, a little under five feet tall, depending on whose opinion you look at. But most likely he was, he was pretty short. And, you know, Scripture says he was short, but he was probably somewhere in that range, I'd say. If you can't see, kind of, kind of there. Yeah. You know, he's a pretty short fellow. And we get bogged down to saying, oh, well, he climbed up in the tree so he could see Jesus. Well, he did. But have we really thought very much about some of the deeper details that maybe we miss? Do we ever think about the real reason that Zacchaeus climbed up in the tree? It wasn't just because he was short and couldn't see over the people standing around him. He had a real thirst, a longing in his heart to see Jesus. You see, this, in my opinion, was a response to provenient grace. Now, we're good Methodists. I think most of us know what provenient grace is, but just in case, it's basically that way that God reaches out to us. Provenient means, or provenient grace is a way of saying grace that comes before we really know Christ. It's that longing inside of us. It's knowing that there's a better way. It's knowing that there's something greater. It's knowing that we're loved. And that, my friends, is God reaching out to us. And I believe that's exactly what we see in Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus put himself there on purpose. He went to seek out Jesus. Because through the rumors going around about the Messiah being in the world and about the Savior had finally come and Jesus was actually coming to Jericho, he knew, or God had been working on him through that news. And so he felt this longing to get a good look at this guy and to see what he's all about. God was reaching out to him through that good news, that good news that Jesus Christ had finally come. And he just felt this yearning to see him, but, you know, he, he just had to see him. He had to do whatever he needed to do in order to see him. But he's, he's in the crowd and he can't really see him very well. And he may not even be truly aware of why, but he just feels like that if he can just see Jesus, that it's going to be okay. That he'll get his answers that he's seeking. So I can picture him looking around, looking around, trying to find some way that he can get a look at Jesus, and then 
There's a fig tree. A tree there by the side of the road. Now, if you've been to the Holy Land, and I've not actually been, but I've seen a lot of pictures, you know that trees aren't really that common along a lot of the roads. Not in the middle of town anyway, and they were kind of right there in Jericho. But there just happened to be this sycamore fig tree. It was there on the side of the road to meet a need before anyone even knew that there was a need to be met. Well, of course, God knew. But there was the tree. There was the opportunity for Zacchaeus to climb up and get a look at Jesus. But now, the fact that he climbed the tree is a big deal. And, you know, again, we get bogged down in the fact that this man climbed the tree. But think about this for a second. Zacchaeus, even though he was a small man, he was a government official. He was the chief tax collector for that region. In other words, as far as Caesar was concerned, he was one of the bigwigs. Because he was the one that made sure that all the taxes were collected. He made sure that everybody rendered unto Caesar what was Caesar's. But he also took it upon himself and the other tax collectors, and this was why they were so despised. They would do basically mafia-style shakedowns of the people. And they would say, well, yeah, you're going to pay your taxes and you're also going to pay me this much. And if you don't, I'm going to have you thrown in jail because I'm the tax collector and I can do that. They were so despised because they were notorious for doing that. And Zacchaeus, as Luke indicates, the writer of Luke indicates, was no exception to that. And so even though he was a small man, people were afraid of him because of his power. And in order to keep that power, he needed people to remain afraid of him. But think about this. Climbing the tree, just like a child, just like a child would. But he was willing to do that in order to be able to see Jesus. He was willing to put aside his pride, his ego, and even risk ridicule. Because he was so desperate to see Jesus, he didn't even care about the fact that he was essentially lowering himself to the level of a child. He didn't care. He chose to put all of that away and to abide with Christ. Regardless of what people thought about him, regardless of the fact that undoubtedly there were people in the crowd looking up in the tree and seeing little Zacchaeus up there and pointing and laughing at him. He didn't care. He needed to see Jesus. But as much as he needed to see Jesus, he needed to be seen by Jesus, and that's exactly what happened. We read there that Jesus looked up in the tree and saw Zacchaeus, and presumably they had never met before. And he yells up into the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I need to be a guest in your home. Now think about this too. Jesus wasn't just going to Zacchaeus' house for supper. He did, of course, but that's not the only thing he was setting out to do. In Jewish culture, the heart is the home of the soul. 
So Jesus is saying much more than I want to come to your house and sit at your table and eat your food. No, what he's saying is Zacchaeus, I want to come into your heart. I want to change you into a new man. I want to make you into a new creation and I want you to be forgiven. I want us to be reconciled. So let me come in. Invite me in. And Zacchaeus did. He began repenting. The transformation is amazing that we see happening right before Jesus' eyes and even before Zacchaeus' eyes. When he's not only made, uh, repenting of his sin and saying, I'm sorry, because repentance is more than just apology, apologies. Repentance is making amends, and that's exactly what Zacchaeus was seeking to do by saying he would return the money that he cheated out of people and even give it to people with interest. Folks, that is transformation because Zacchaeus chose to put aside everything and to abide with Christ. Now, transformation doesn't always occur in front of big crowds. It doesn't always occur in front of cameras and microphones. And transformation certainly does not always result in increased album sales and downloads on Spotify. But transformation does happen when we choose to abide in Christ. When we put aside our egos and our own interests and said yes to his gift of grace. Because here's the thing, is Christ first chose to abide with us. And not to do so for popularity, or even to worry about what people think. If anything, people are going to think negatively about you when you turn away from the world and turn toward Christ. But when we put aside our egos and choose Christ over, over everything. That's when transformation occurs. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're given strength day by day by day to continue abiding in Christ and making that choice because Christ has chosen to abide with us, to live with us, now, if that's not good news, I don't know what is. So I invite you, brothers and sisters, to choose to abide in Christ through daily prayer, daily scripture studies, and meditation on the, on the studies. To really ponder and think about what it is you're reading. To let God minister to you. And you'll also have an opportunity to abide at the table, to feast at his table in just a moment. And to know that Christ invites you just as you are, no matter what other people might think about you. Brothers and sisters, I offer this to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.